0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get your free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash necessary blackness. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can access it from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I would like to give thanks to the ancestors known and unknown, those who have paved the way For us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work. For bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz, and this is Necessary Blackness
1: Podcast.
2: Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought.
0: Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide, This docu-series provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docu-series features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the school-to-prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment, Elementary Genocide 3, the Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop.
1: I am Dr. Kira Taylor. And when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz.
0: Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness podcast. Stay tuned.
1: This is Akua of Cultivated Roots Media, and I choose to tune in to Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary.
2: Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man.
1: You'll hear it here first. (laughs) Now our feature presentation.
0: Peace of black power family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness podcast. And I want to take this minute real quickly before we get into our topic of discussion to talk about the Blue Lives Matter bill that was voted on in the House and got passed with 382 to 35 votes. And several prominent Democratic leaders voted on this bill. This bill makes it a federal crime that's punishable up to 10 years in prison for assault on a police officer. In the state of Louisiana, the police are considered a class of citizen protected under the hate crime law. So if you get into a minor altercation or a scuffle with a police officer, it's now going to be considered a hate crime. This is the law in Louisiana. And several states have different Variations of this law. And we have several prominent Democratic leaders that voted in favor of this bill. This bill was actually introduced when Obama was in office and it recently got passed. And you have, like I said, several prominent Democratic leaders, some of them you may recognize and some of them you may not recognize. But you have Elijah Cummins out of Maryland. You have Danny Davis out of Illinois. Keith Ellison out of Minnesota. You also have Al Green out of Texas. And this is the same individual that was drawing up the impeachment articles on Donald Trump. You have Sheila Jackson out of Texas. You have John Lewis, the civil rights icon that walked with Martin Luther King. That's his claim to glory From Atlanta, Georgia You also have Bobby Rush Who was a former Black Panther Party member How ironic is that? He knows all about the police Being an occupied army in our community And subjugating us To oppression and racism And white supremacy But Bobby Rush, he voted in favor of this bill. So my question is, how much did the police union pay Bobby Rush? How much did the police union pay John Lewis? How much did the police union pay Sheila Jackson? I don't know, and I don't think we will ever find out. But one thing that we know is that our Democratic leaders has been compromised, and it's up to us to hold their feet to the fire. And this is not just the first bill that they voted on that goes against our best interests. There's another bill that deals with bank deregulation that was just passed in the Senate. And 33 House Democrats voted in favor of this bill. And this particular bill deals with consumer protection act and the wall street reform i think it's called the 2010 dodd franklin bill and the passage of this bill is a disaster to all black homeowners so if you're in real estate business mortgage home insurance then you need to hold these democrats accountable during the time of election no longer should the black vote be taken for granted no longer should they feel that we have allegiance to this party just because they are black because we know that there are black faces in high places that does nothing to push us forward so that we receive freedom justice and equality Now, family, the next story I want to talk about is the situation concerning our brother, Gregory Vaughn Hill, Jr. And Gregory is from Fort Pierce, Florida. And he's a 30-year-old African-American who was fatally shot by a white sheriff deputy who was responding to a noise complaint. And it's alleged that Mr. Hill was playing his music too loud. Police responded, Um, some words was exchanged, you know, they was banging on his uh, garage door. He opened up his garage door, some words was exchanged, he closed his garage door. Um, The end result was that he was shot and he was discovered inside his garage with a gun in his back pocket. But in the police report, the sheriff indicated that when they had the confrontation and they was arguing, that he shot him three times because he was holding a gun during that confrontation. But the crime scene and the autopsy tells a different story. No charges were brought against this officer. So in a civil trial that recently took place, the jury found the sheriff His name is Ken Mascara. They found that he did not use excessive force, but was slightly negligent. I don't know what the hell that means. It's either you did or you didn't. So just that alone makes you wonder about this case. And the end result was the jury awarded $4 in damages and $2 for each of his children, and $1 for funeral expense. This is the travesty of justice that a black man receives in America when he's shot by these suspected white supremacists. And this is a case that a lot of people have been talking about. How can a man be shot dead and the gun is in his back pocket? But more so than that, a lot of times we feel that we can seek justice in a civil court and the family will get um, monetary damage, which they should. Um, From my understanding, this man had a fiancé and um, he had several kids. I think it was two daughters. It might have been three. I'm not sure. Um, But this article is in the New York Times. But to award them $1 each is disrespectful. To not render a just verdict is more disrespectful. And I'm going to look more into this case, but I can almost guarantee you that the makeup of the jury consisted of old white people that retired in the sunshine state of Florida. I guarantee you there wasn't a mother a black mother that knows the pain and the heartache of losing a son or that experienced racism and know that police lie. We see it time and time again on national news. We see it in our daily lives. We see it on social media. But for some reason, there was a verdict rendered and they awarded this family $4 in damages. for each of his children, and $1 for funeral expense. This is America. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to go and take a quick commercial break, and I'll see you on the other side. This is Necessary Blackness Podcast, and my name is Raheem Shabazz. For all my listeners of Necessary Blackness Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend The Mother of Black Hollywood by Jennifer Lewis. My favorite is The Last Unicorn by Tiffany Haddish. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash necessary blackness Again, that's AudibleTrial.com forward slash Necessary Blackness. Peace, family. This is Tyreek from Nagas Footwear, the first African pride sneaker. We have the Nat Turner's, the Marcus Garvey's at SneakersCustoms.com. Stop on over, get your sneakers and stride with pride.
1: Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the school-to-prison pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docuseries. Necessary Blackness podcast is independently owned and we do not accept sponsorship dollars from corporations. We are supported by the people such as yourself who know that in war, the first casualty is the truth. We are at war with racism and white supremacy. We must continue to tell the truth. Support us by purchasing your Necessary Blackness t-shirt by sending an email to Necessary Blackness Podcast at gmail.com. This
0: is Shalee. When I'm not in the gym, I'm checking my son out on his podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Make sure you check out Raheem Shabazz.
2: Yeah, this is Professor Ed Garns, founder of The Wonderful From Afros to Shelltoes and Sweet Tea Ethics, When I am not spreading liberation theology throughout my classrooms as an African-centered therapist, I am chilling with my homie, Raheem Shabazz, on the Necessary Blackness Podcast. It's essential. Yo, that's what I'm talking about, man. You'll hear it here first.
0: Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And we have a special guest for our second part of this episode, and our special guest is Joel N.R. Powell. What's going on, black man? How you doing? I'm
2: good, brother. I'm good. Glad to be here. Glad to be in Atlanta. Glad glad to be a part of this podcast and all that good stuff.
0: Absolutely. Uh And for those that don't know, Joel is from Canada, Toronto to be Pacific, and to give you a little brief history on the brother... He started out in the music industry as a disc jockey, and he built the Ninja Rider sound brand. And as his fan base grew, he went on to host over 200 promotional mixtapes that circulated throughout North America, the Caribbean, and Europe. He then decided to use his entrepreneurial skills as a graduate of Humber the Business School. And that culminated into him pending his book that we're going to discuss. And the title of that book is called Black Empowerment and Minority Issues. So, Joel, tell us a little bit about your book. How did you conceive the idea? And for those that are interested in purchasing the book, what they can take away from when they read this book.
2: Well, the the whole premise of the what the book was be based on the fact that being from Toronto, Canada, a lot of people don't know that Toronto, the part where I was from, that I am from, is uh, one of the most roughest neighborhoods in Canada. Period. You know, mm-hmm. area called Jane and Finch, and the next area called Rex Steel. And when you grow up in those areas, man, it's like it's survival of the fittest. You know, it's like you have to. It's like basically as you you're up in those communities, you have to know what you want to do with your life. If you don't know what you're going to do with your life life will pick something for you. And usually what life picks, you ain't going to win in that battle. So what happened with me was I was DJing because I learned about the music industry from my father. You know, my father's Jamaican, my, my mother's Trinidadian, and I watched my dad playing records as I was growing up. He wasn't doing it professionally, but he had a lot of records and the equipment, and I just, I just got caught up into that. So by the time I hit my teens, I was DJing and playing out, doing weddings, birthday parties, and all that, and I built a good fan base. And through building that fan base now, I was like, you know what? I got to do something with this fan base. Mm-hmm. Because the thing what it is, the, the kids and the, the youth in the neighborhood are following me. Like anything I kept, they were always there. And I, brought, I was bringing communities together, but it, went for, it made a turn for the worse. Because the community started getting violent. And it was almost as if like all these kids were, look, were looking at like, yo, they're following the music at the time. And at the time, reggae music was getting violent. Mm. and I was basically just playing music but it was creating the wrong atmosphere I was doing it because I liked playing music but the kids were looking at it like yo they need to follow what these guys were saying on this record so I was like no I gotta switch up this premise okay. you know I had to switch up the premise and that's how it came about the idea of writing a book that's what gave me
0: the brain to say you know what I gotta show these kids a way out of all this and how receptive have everyone been uh, to this book I know that you got quotes from seven. Several prominent people, such as uh, rapper Tech Nine and a uh, few other folks. But overall, what have been the uh, perception and reception of this book?
2: You know, this book
0: changed the
2: paradigm of my life. I never thought it would have happened so fast. It's like, one minute you're a DJ, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm getting invites to meet prime ministers because of this book, mm. I'm getting invites to meet mayors because of this book. It's like the whole scope that's changed because it was like, to be honest, a lot of people used to tell me that how often do you see a black man writing a book? And at my age too, it was like how often do I see a black brother writing a book, especially a book about this, yeah. you know, about empowering us as a people and uplifting us. You may see an a little gangster story or you know some some science fiction stuff, but I was writing about
0: issues that were happening in the community. That's right, you issues know, that are affecting our community. Yeah, and we're gonna speak about some of those issues, but. You spoke to us and you told us how you raised the prominence and um, now you have this book tour. Yeah. I want you to tell our people some of the places that you're going to frequent and the stops that you're going to make during the um, book tour. And it's actually called the Book Film Soundtrack Tour. Yeah. Tell everybody why is it called that name.
2: Because it's exactly that. It's the book, the film, and the soundtrack because- I turned the book into a film, and I got a soundtrack for the book as well, where I wrote the song. I, I'm an artist as well, so I performed seven songs for each chapter in the book.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and
2: I have a documentary based on the book where I interviewed prominent, visible minority people of color who were in powerful positions about the issues I was talking about in the book.
0: So you have a seven-song EP? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, see, he was doing it before Kanye West. Yes, sir.
2: <laughs> Put that out there. I did it first. I got proof That's too. Up.
0: That's what's up. So <laughs> tell me some of the places that uh, you're going to be making a stop at.
2: So far, I made. I was in uh, Atlanta first, and I was in Georgia, uh, Columbus, Georgia. But one of the best places I stopped in was Nashville. That was actually a shock to me because when I went to Nashville, the people were I never even knew some people knew about me in Nashville. Mm. You know, because I was just promoting someone on Facebook one day. And when I went to this bookstore, shout out to uh, Alcabon, I think it's Alcabon Images Bookstore. Oh yeah, there. that's yeah. over there
0: by the uh, college. Uh... Yeah,
2: but near not too, from Tennessee College, yeah. right across, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over
0: there, with the brother was? Keny- Kenyatta? Yeah.
2: No, Yusuf. Yusuf. Yusuf, yeah, Yusuf. Yusuf. Yusuf yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the brother. And shout out to Miss Deborah. You know, she held on the store for me. That okay. the two, I was there for two days, and the people, the reception was incredible, bro. It was incredible. The people came out in in, in a bundle for me. You know, yeah, they
0: do they do a lot of uh, good stuff there. Um, they carry the DVD. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I saw your DVD up in there too. Yeah, you know I saw it up, up in, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to them, brothers and sisters. So now, let's get into this book. Yes, sir. Now, I know it's issues concerning family, employment, faith, health, finance, relationship, and law. Yeah. Why those particular topics? And tell me, what is the pressure, the depression the issue? when we deal with finance. Because if, this, if we're going to talk empowerment, most people always think about finance. So let yeah. that be the first one.
2: Okay. One of the pressing issues with finance is the lack thereof and the knowledge of how money really works. A lot of us don't really understand in the, in, in the, in the black community about how money really works and how the importance of having good credit. You know, that's something that... I, I wasn't taught that in school. I can say it up front. I wasn't taught that in school about how important good credit is, how important it is to make sure you got a good credit score. You know, you're learning about geography and you're learning about history, but you ain't learning about things involving finance. And one of the main elements is that when I was about 18 years old and I started saying, I'm about to go into college, and I got introduced to a credit card, I'm like, okay, then this he says this credit card has $700 on it. At the time, I'm thinking this is like free money. I don't have to mm-hmm. pay this back whenever I feel like, you know. And I went, I went, uh, I, went I went through yeah, that. It works. I went through that credit card, you know, boom, that was done. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're sending me this bill. And I'm looking at this bill, I'm like, okay, I I them 700 dollars but they tell me I can pay them $10. I'm like, okay, I'll pay them $10. Pay them $10. bucks. i am thinking, okay, then I'm down to $690. Can I give them $10? I look at it like, okay, then I'm $692 or $697. So why I'm today, today there's $7. Find out this thing called interest.
0: Yeah.
2: This thing called interest
0: evaporated that and I gotta keep doing this. And then you have some credit cards that actually have you pay based on how much money you spent already. Exactly. In yeah. addition to a maintenance fee. Yeah. You know, you might annual have like, fee. A monthly dollar yeah. maintenance fee for mm. every month. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you have to be very careful with these credit cards. Exactly. Unless you got that A1 credit, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you're in the 700, 800 club.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, that that that's very important that we as a people, we understand credit and we become economically empowered because one thing everybody always say, it takes money to make money. yeah. And Indeed. you got to understand the alchemy of making bread is that you got to have dough in order to make bread. Exactly. You got to so, have something
2: to flip to make it um, to make it continue.
0: With those credit cards, if you maintain it right, you can do a lot of things. Of course, yeah. You know, I don't pay a couple of bills off of credit cards. You got to pay it back though, but it always works in the end for you. Mm-hmm. I actually seen a, a post, right? And it said the 800 credit score is equivalent to having a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. But you could still have a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account and don't have an eight hundred credit score.
2: Yeah, you, you can, can go, go that route you got, too. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta know how you're grinding for what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's all it's all about checks and balance. Checks mm-hmm. and balance. Now you got relationship and you got law. Let's talk about relationships. Um the dynamic of the black man and black woman relationship. Do you cover that? Yes. Yeah. Tell exactly. us something about that.
2: You know, one of the things that a lot of the brothers often don't sometimes realize is that, you know, we have to be leaders in our communities to let the ladies respect us as men. You know, a lot of men out there are not leading by example. They're not leading for what they want. They, they have an attitude as if women are supposed to give them. But I was always, always raised that a man is supposed to be a leader. No matter what, a man is supposed to be a leader and a man is supposed to be able to create or show a woman what he's made of. Vice versa, nonetheless. But at the same mm-hmm. time, as a man, you're supposed to be a leader. Absolutely. And a lot of brothers, they ain't leading no more. They're not trying to be in a leadership position, but yet still they want all these great things to happen for them. And then these ladies, know they're, looking at, they're looking, at, looking at men with the respect that they're supposed to. So I show a lot of guidelines how brothers should be able to clean up the rack. And I show a lot of guidelines how ladies have to support men as they're building as well. Because you can't expect to have everything come in handed to you. You got to learn to help your
0: man build. And your man has to give you something to be helped to be built. And another thing too, when you're speaking of leadership, y'all brothers out there, brothers, I'm speaking to you. If you can't control your lower desires or your sexual urges, then you can't be trusted and placed in leadership position. Exactly. You know, everybody can't be a leader. So we discuss finance, we discuss relationship and how it leads to being being in a leadership position mm-hmm. let's talk about law because mm-hmm. right now the law ain't on our side oh man especially if you black in america yeah tell me about that section
2: that section was was one of the most controversial sections i wrote in the book hands down because you know i had police officers reading my book and they were even coming back to me telling me like hey bro like you know what are you saying about us inside of here and i had to tell them the truth i'm like you know, the problem with the with, with the law enforcement out there is that the law enforcement is not trying to bridge the gap when it comes to dealing with youth. They have a very outdated way of speaking to each other, speaking mm-hmm. to the youth, and they're coming at the youth as they're already wrong without having any proof that they're wrong of anything. And that will make that makes a youth wanna come at them with that same type of attitude. I think police gotta learn to tone it down. Not everybody's a criminal at first approach. Yeah, they come you know? with
0: these preconceived notions. Yeah, these notions. preconceived notions,
2: exactly. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it creates an altercation. I've watched all these videos. I've seen the way that they're, they're talking. And if, you're, if someone's talking to them, you're going to react according to that. Yeah. You know, if, they, if the officer was to approach them and stay calm, stay cool, stay collected... And do their job as what they're supposed to do. Absolutely. It wouldn't create an altercation.
0: Yeah, but so, I, it's, they, it's all about the aura and the energy that you give off.
2: Exactly, you know, and you that know. that that mentality has led to, as we know, so many tragic incidents. Yeah. So many tragic and, incidents.
0: And one thing that I don't think that the police department throughout the United States is aware of: you're dealing with a different generation. Exactly. You know, this is the most fearless generation that was ever produced. Yeah, and um. They are not having it. You know, they're not gonna um be docile. They're not gonna turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. The majority of them. Yeah. Some of them, they're gonna put their head down. They're gonna scratch where they don't itch. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna play along. But the majority of them, they ain't having it. And um I think that um as soon as they learn to respect the youth and approach them in that respect and know who you're dealing with then things would be a lot better. So I know it's going to be a lot of other people that are interested in this book. And the name of the book, for those that are just joining us, is called Black Empowerment and Minority Issues. And we are here speaking with Joel. Now, what NR stand for? Ninja Riders. Ninja Riders. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, could you tell us a little bit? Because I spoke about that in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. about the Ninja Riders sound yeah. brand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that... Mm-hmm. Put you in the position to where you at today. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about um, Ninja Riders?
2: Ninja Riders is a sound system. Like in the American people call it being a disc jockey. Yeah. Jamaican people call it sound system. That's what the big speakers. Yeah, the- exactly. That's what we used to do. That's yeah. what I came up doing, playing sound system. So- when you play a song, you know it's a different world. It's more like you have to, you have a fan base that literally follows you.
1: Mm-hmm. Like you
2: going anywhere, these people are following you. Like, yeah. like, like they think it's a parade afterwards. And I had, I was doing that like that. Then I had the speakers. The, I still have all them stuff, yeah. Yeah. and that's what gave birth towards the movement because my favorite dancer reggae artist is called Ninja Man.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm and that's uh, Ninja yeah Man. Ninja
2: Man. And at the time, I was, I was basically like this. Not that people know this, but I'm a huge Ninja Man fan. But I'm also a huge NWA fan. Yeah. I
0: see, I see you, know you mentioned NWA in your book. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge e z e E fan. Huge e z e E fan from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I always respected what he did as an entrepreneur. So I basically was like, I basically built Ninja Riders almost like the way he built NWA. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had the I had like I was basically him. And I had everybody holding their position down, and that's how we built the whole Ninja Riders brand. So it was, like, it was like basically originally Ninja's Riding Team, but then I shortened it to Ninja Riders. Oh, yeah, All yeah.
0: Right. All right. Yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure y'all support that Ninja Rider brand. Make sure y'all support Black Empowerment and Minority Issues. Mm -hmm. And for those that want to follow you and get in contact with you on your various social media networks, how can they get in contact with you, brother?
2: My social media is easy. It's Joel N.R. Powell for everything. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. That's the best one way, name. That's the best one. You, you can't look, name. you can't you can't you can't see a neural form if you didn't look.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I keep mine simple like that. Yeah. Any social media platform I'm on is always at Raheem Shabbat. Yeah, exactly. It ain't gonna be at Raheem <laughs> such and such, such yeah. and such. Yeah, yeah. We keep it simple. So brother, I definitely appreciate you coming by um, I always bump into the brother yes, I've seen sir. him at Juneteenth I've yeah. seen him at the Malcolm X festival yeah. and um, the brother is definitely out here in the community and will continue to be in the community any upcoming dates well, we
2: got Cafe, in Atlanta we have Cafe Ulu this coming Friday and Saturday I'm going to be in Cafe Ulu I got my book there I got the EP soundtrack there you can come on and meet me there directly yeah and you can check my website www.joellenrpowell.com Click on tour, and you'll okay. see all the listings right there. Is your
0: book available on the website? It's all
2: available on the website as okay. well. Yeah, yeah, but it's, so, it's best to come on
0: and meet me, meet the right. person behind
2: it. And all right, yeah.
1: So I yeah, brother,
0: it. make sure brothers and sisters make sure y'all go and um, support the brother and buy from the brother's website as opposed to Amazon or any other uh, third party affiliates if you can. But either way, buy the book, become empowered. And and with that, I'm going to say peace and black power, family.
2: Peace and love to everyone above Atlanta. Stand up. Raheem Shabazz, big up yourself for having me on the show. I appreciate it very much.